Hey guys, in today's episode, we'll be talking to Erica Smith of The Roofing Revolution about how she scaled her company to $2 million in less than three years through relational marketing. Stick around until the end of the episode for actionable takeaways about managing cash flow for scalable success. Welcome to Trade Secrets, where we demystify digital marketing to help contractors get the most bang for their marketing bucks. This is for you if you're a contractor looking for actionable marketing insights. Learn from home services industry experts to elevate your business through simplified marketing strategies. Let's dive into today's trade secret. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. We're happy to have you, mostly because your story is so badass. Um, I've known you. How long have we known each other now? We've known each other... I'm going to say like almost 10 years. I th- I think so. It's been a long time. And as a friend, just watching you grow and transform has been <clears throat> so exciting. And so um, we thought your story would be a really fun one to share. Erica, as the owner of Roofing Revolution, but you know, you guys have been in business since 2019. But before that, like, let's talk about just like your history, because I think the story of your success and what you've been able to do in such a short amount of time is kind of backed by a career in the industry, in the roofing industry. And I think that knowledge has probably helped you make some really smart business choices. So I'm going to stop talking. I want you to tell us, you know, your first job in the space and kind of how you landed in it and just kind of your progression to how you got to being a business owner. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting history path in roofing. You know, it's not like I grew up and said, I want to go into roofing. But <laughs> when I, I I went to Colorado State and they had on campus interviewing, that's how old I am. There was no <laughs> applying online or anything. You had to send a resume in and see if you got selected for an interview. And uh, I did get selected for an interview with Allied Building Products at the time. They're a supplier. And now it's Beacon absorbed Allied several years ago. So it's now called Beacon. So I got a little um, little taster of the supply world. I went through a training program where I learned, you know, purchasing sales and operations. I'm forklift certified. I would go around (laughs) and pull pallets of material and help people load them in their trucks. It was really fun. Um, unfortunately, (laughs) inside sales is not my thing. (laughs) So from there, I went and worked for, uh, another manufacturer GAF. So I was a GAF uh, rep and I had national accounts for a while, then went into being the actual territory manager and calling on the contractors to, you know, pull the sales through, you know, make sure that the contractors ordered the GAF and then installed it and liked it and had the support that they needed, you know, from the manufacturing standpoint. So were you traveling? Sorry, I like love people that travel for work. When you were traveling and like calling in on kind of all these other companies, did you get to go like to job sites and kind of look at like installation or anything like that? Or were you, was it kind of just like talking business and working on obviously the relationship? I know that's a big part of being a manager. Yeah. It's um, so with allied, we, with the training program, we actually went on all sorts of different types of roofing systems for the clients back then. So I got to see a lot of different roofs installed, which was really cool to help understand how everything is put together from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then with 
the manufacturers, because I also worked for Owens Corning, um, it was more of going into the office and having a relationship and doing training and, you know, maintaining the loyalty aspect of, you know, selecting a product and running with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, but very rarely would we go on job sites. We'd have, we'd occasionally have to get on a roof and check, you know, to see if there was a defect or anything wrong with the product, but not too much uh, field work other than that. So they had you knee deep looking at numbers, like meeting quotas, minimums, checking in. So oh, like, yeah. kind of, so that's like you, you probably are really good with numbers. And I, I guess that exposure, because, you know, we're business owners too, and I love to cast the numbers away. <laughs> but when it's your job to literally be on top of who's purchasing what, or, you know, that kind of, um, I think that gives you a really, probably a strong foundation for understanding even down to like ordering for jobs now, I would imagine, but just kind of having a good like grasp on, on, I don't know what all those numbers mean. Um, absolutely. Like I, it was definitely corporate America. So I did, you know, have to meet the quotas. I had to do budgeting, forecasting, you name it. I actually really enjoyed that part. I actually really yeah. like doing it for my own business. I know it's weird. It doesn't, yeah. it's not something that I would normally <laughs> even say about myself, but it is like the actual part that I really did enjoy. And I enjoy it now. I'm just cool. not as good at it now because my time is um, dispersed into so many different aspects of the business. I was going to say during that time on the, the main, on the, you know, when you were working at the, at the manufacturers, do you feel like you ever saw some business owners make some mistakes that you were able to learn from that you're able to avoid making now that you're on the other side of things? Absolutely. So we would go in and train a lot of contractors. I mean, I've probably trained 90% of the contractors here at one point or another over the tenure of my career. So I've heard them talk over all the years about, you know, what their pain points were how they wish that they would do something different if they started over, you name it. We probably had that kind of conversation at one point or another. And the number one takeaway that I got was don't go grow too quickly, have a controlled growth rate. And then number two, manage your cash flow like crazy. So those two takeaways, I think, have made me go in a more successful direction with the cash flow aspect specifically. This year, we probably grew a little too quick or quickly than I would have liked, um, but that's due to a hailstorm. Yeah, got it. Got to love a, a storm season when we haven't had one in Colorado for, I don't know, since 2017, I think was the last like. 2017 was a huge one, but I think yeah, 2019 I think... was the last recorded where we actually had like a little bit of hail dispersed. So it's been three, four years yeah, since anything major. Yeah. yeah. Time. And so <laughs> I don't know. We got just murdered this summer, like spring and summer in Colorado has just been, so I can only <laughs> imagine your growth like this year, Erica, cause I know, I know what it's done for my husband's company. So, all right. So we were talking about your background, GAF. I totally interrupted you. You went from GAF to, um, Owens Corning after that for a long time. Right. I did a little spot in between. So um, when I had my babies who are now almost 14 and 15, I did part-time work and I worked for my ex-in-laws who own a large roofing company and I was their director of marketing. So I did that for five years until my youngest was finally in elementary school. 
So I did, did a little stint in contracting too. And I understood, I do fully respect that roofing company and kind of the way that they went to market. And I learned quite a few things that they did differently than most of the contractors that I was working with at GAF. So interesting. um, Yeah. And when I was ready to go back to work full time, there was an opportunity at Owens Corning. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can, you know, go to Owens Corning and talk about, you know, I already kind of know what I'm supposed to do and how to do this role effectively. Okay. So it sounds like you were just a perfect fit for that OC job. Thanks. I mean, I felt like I really was since I already had the experience. It was just, you know, taking on a new product line and the great thing with Owens Corning is that it's made locally here in Denver. It's a very easy to easy sale, you know, saying that you're supporting the local economy and whatnot. And I really did enjoy the organization. And over time, I just kind of grew into my own shoes and didn't like to be told what to do anymore. And was like, why am I not making these decisions for myself and telling myself, you know, who I should be working with? And, you know, my, my goals and really going with my core values. So that's why I, I made the shift to contracting finally. And that's where I've been for the last several years. Yes. So can you kind of talk us through that timeline a little bit? So you, when did you officially leave Owens Corning? I left Owens Corning in, tw- I believe it was 2018. I actually went into oil and gas for six months and decided that that was not for me. And came right back into roofing. <laughs> Once you leave, you you are always going to come back. <laughs> it's oh one of those gosh. industries. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing, yeah. like knowing it inside and out the way you do from like the manufacturer and supplier end all the way through to now contracting and now you're building roofs. I've seen pictures of you actually doing repairs too. <laughs> like not. I do those occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it's my favorite favorite thing to do, but sometimes I will jump in, you know, help out here and there. It's fun. Yeah, but it's just so unique how you have this full 360 understanding of the entirety of the industry. And I mean, what a, you know, what a benefit that must be to you as a business owner. I feel like your customers have to be benefiting from it as well. You know, there's, you've literally seen, seen behind the curtain and, you know, every aspect of the industry. I think it's just so, it's such, it's so cool that you have that perspective. Right. Thank you. It's, I'm super fortunate to have, you know, experience in all three channels of distribution within the industry. Um, and I, but it's, it's crazy too. I still learn something new every single day. And that's kind of what the part that I enjoy so much about the industry And my job is just every day I'm like, oh, I had no idea that you, you know, installed one, you know, roofing assembly component the way that I see it installed or that you could do it that way or learning something about the financial aspect or, you know, how insurance carriers do things. So it's been an interesting ride for sure. Awesome. Yeah. The insurance world, that sounds like a, that sounds like a whole other animals so much so in each carrier I'm sure it's all nuanced and different so I um I can only imagine how much you learn uh on a in a storm year right versus like you know a year where you're doing a lot of retail roofing yeah the carriers um they, they keep shifting and changing so I'm actually really interested in learning how their business model works and how they do things and how it relates to the property owners, because I do what I do because I like helping people. So I want to try and help every single person that has a roofing issue, 
Um, yeah. And with that comes um, some insurance pieces as well. Joy, such joy. Okay, so let's present day, you are the sole owner of the Roofing Revolution. And uh, I think we said this in the beginning, you've been in business since 2019. But I mean, you've scaled pretty tremendously in just these few short years. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about, and this is a marketing podcast, so uh, we would be remiss to not include maybe how marketing has played a role from zero to, you know, where you're at now. And I don't, you know, like you can, you know, share, share your numbers. We're not going <laughs> to air your business, but, you know, we try to, for, for contractors that are kind of on this journey and this growth pattern, obviously, if you're a $10 million company, your marketing efforts and budget are a lot different than someone who's like making it to that $1 million mark. So this is where I guess we'll ask you kind of about maybe your marketing journey a little bit. And and if you focus on it or, you know, I, I know from other conversations that you have a heavier emphasis maybe in business development, but um, I would love to hear about that side of it and then kind of maybe future plans for where you're at now to when maybe you hit like the five, eight, 12 million, you know, however you continue to grow. So loaded question. <laughs> I think I can handle that one. So growth wise, my first year, we were just about half a million and it was just myself. And I had like a sales production person that would help me on the production side of things. And that is kind of where I wanted to be. We hit that goal. Um, next year we were at three quarters of a million. And then this year we're, we're probably going to come in right around 1.7 to 1.9 million. So that's where we took that huge growth jump in the full three we've been in business. Again, it's managing wow. the cash flow aspect that is so important. Yeah. So cash flow is king, especially in a roofing business where you can get up, turned upside down very quickly. Um, a lot of roofing contractors got a business, you know, in the first two to three years, I did not want to just be another statistic. So um, I really had to sit down and I actually sat down with a female who used to be my competitor. And we were like, awesome. you know, how would we do it if we could do things a little bit different from the business development side? So we were competitors doing business development to, you know, insurance agents and property managers. And so we did this kind of unique marketing strategy, if you will, where most of the marketing budget went towards the business development aspect. And then we said we would do the business development and slowly we've kind of gone more on into the branding side over time, really trying to kind of utilize our logo so that it's more recognizable. Other than that, we don't do a lot of marketing, but what I would like to do, you know, moving into the future and figuring out, you know, to take us from basically like at the 2 million point to a $5 million point would be implementing some more branding and then probably um, updating the keywords on our website and then kind of trying to get up the ranks with the organic searches, possibly a little bit of pay-per-click or, or pay-per-click or doing some sort of landing page in the future. But right now the marketing is heavily based on business development. I mean, we do, it's about 4% of our budget. So we have a large marketing budget for the size of company that we are. Absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit? I mean, I know you said, obviously, some of that business development is, you know, focused on insurance care, insurance um, agents there locally. 
are there any other kind of tips you would have for somebody that's maybe looking at how they can expand their, you know, business development footprint and, you know, some things they might want to test? Um, absolutely. Yeah. With business development, it's, it is about relationships, but it's also about performance. So I've always just had the mantra of, you know, be reliable, do what you say you're going to do. And especially with agents, they really like communication from everyone who they're working with. So it seems like a no brainer. It seems very easy to go in and just say, Hey, we're going to communicate with you. And they're like, great. 99% of the people who are calling on the insurance agents aren't communicating with them. So that's kind of been our niche is going into both agents and property managers and uh, proving that we can communicate the way that we say that we're going to. And then we tend to have very reciprocal type of relationships where um, we provide leads if they provide leads to us. So we work with a very small group of agents who we have deep, deep relationships with. And it's the same with, you know, a group or a handful of property management companies too. So we kind of go with that um, small business feel from the business development and marketing mm-hmm. standpoint. And we even try and implement utilizing, you know, personalized emails rather than automated emails as much as possible so that our clients get that special, you know, personalized touch. And I mean, that's with property owners who are getting a roof replacement or, you know, insurance agents or, you know, their administrative team. And that's even with the property management groups too. So everyone, we just want it to feel, you know, real personal. And uh, it's almost kind of going backwards in time away from the automation. It's so refreshing for people, you know, like everyone is, we're all so tired of just feeling like a number or some bot spit out the email we're opening. And it's so nice to feel like there's someone on the other side of that. Do you feel like your approach to business development was some of that when you came in and launched the company, do you feel like some of that was more stuff that you'd learned in the field previously working with people and kind of learning from other companies and seeing, you know, that they were doing it right or thinking, wow, they're all missing the mark here. Or was, did, was just this more just like, did it just kind of come to be as, as the company was taken off? It kind of came to be as the company was taking off. I mean, um, my coworker Tamira, her, her and I had this vision of, you know, excellent, fantastic communication, you know, under promise over deliver rather than going out and marketing to all sorts of agents and just getting as many people as possible to give as many leads as possible. We took the different approach and said, we would rather, you know, work with 10 or so agents on a very close basis and have them refer us for everything rather than just one here or there. Um, yeah. So her and I had this this interesting concept that has kind of evolved over time and it knock on wood, it seems to be working because we are developing those close relationships that are based off of loyalty. And that's Mm -hmm. not even just, you know, the people that we do business development with, but it's also with, you know, our material suppliers, you know, the manufacturers products that we sell, the relationships and loyalty are absolutely key in this industry. I love that. I really, really love that approach because so, um, I mean, we, you know, we're always students here. We have a podcast, but we're in digital marketing. So we're constantly learning and listening. And it, it seems, you know, that there's always a tool being sold. There's always something being sold. There's like, 
sign up for this to, for your like, you know, review automation, sign up for this for um, SEO, right? Sign up for, oh, do Google ads, do Google local service ads. Oh, you need to sign up for this kind of direct mail because we'll send 10 postcards to a targeted zip code. I mean, you could spend so much money, but the value of actually putting in the time to build relationships versus like, you know, trying to throw money uh, and, and have leads created that way. It's a different approach. And I think when you're starting out that I, I think and not, you're not starting out anymore. Like you've, you've done been doing it, but I think maybe like that's, I think that's some really, really good advice for people that are, you know, starting out. But even I would say in any market, you, the best referrals or the best clients come from referrals typically. And when you have those strong relationships, you can, um, if something goes wrong, because in construction, it often does, you've already got that trust established. And so you're not going to lose them versus like, if you get a one-off lead from an agent, because, you know, I don't know, they got an email blast and something goes wrong. They, they, you don't have that history with them. They don't know that that's not par for the course with you. So I think, you know, that, um, what do they call it? There's a business term for it. Like the, the lifetime value of that, referral partner is is just massive when you kind of set the foundation that you have and really build it on like loyalty trust personalization customization quality and and transparency like I think that's I mean that's huge so I think that is like speaks very much the formula works you look at your success and you've only had one storm year since you've been in business so it's and and you've and you've had to like push away leads and and not do your job site marketing and and you know because everyone needs a roof but even if you try to set that timeline expectation of sure we can get to you in 12 weeks like that doesn't always you know that's not what a homeowner wants to hear so it's um yeah it's just a really refreshing approach instead of like trying to throw money at a problem you really have just invested the time to build these relationships um that will continue to be you know, a lifetime lead source for you. Yeah. And that was the whole, the whole goal coming in. And I'm sure we're going to have to, you know, pivot and shift at some points, you know, during, you know, our growth scale, but right now it seems to be working, but it's a lot. Like I value the people who work with me. So the marketing business development aspect is a huge piece of that. So I pay more than most people do on that avenue and it seems to be working so far. So check back with me in a year and see if that shifts. But <laughs> and we can't wait for the follow-up a year from now to to hear what incredible number you're hitting. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I was gonna say I feel like before we close out, I feel like, you know, you've you've made some references a couple of times to, you know, controlling cash flow. If you had a a tip or two you could give to somebody who's just starting out, maybe that they're where you were in 2019 and you were getting ready to pull the, pull the string. And obviously you knew way more going in than a lot of people that might be like launching a business. Do you have like a hot tip or two about like staying on top of that cash flow or just, you know, that, that might help somebody that's trying to control growth and is looking up to somebody like you as a business owner? Oh, yeah, of course. So what I did when I started knowing that this is kind of the standard problem, I made sure to have, I got a loan. I borrowed money from, from myself. <laughs> and then once I built up, you know, a, a big enough credit score, I went and got a line of credit. 
So, and I did receive that piece of advice from a fellow colleague and he was like, the number one thing you need to do after, you know, you spend your money setting your business up is go get a line of credit and make sure that you pay that money off as quickly as you possibly can every single month. So, and especially cash flow in this industry, it's this the cycle on average is between 60 and 90 days with these storms to get your money, you know, back that you've already invested. So yeah, hopefully that helps anybody coming into the industry. Yes. And if people want to, you know, get in touch with you, ask you, I don't know, more questions, maybe they're on their kind of contractor journey, or maybe they want a roof. How would they get in touch with you? What's the best way? The best way with me is email or text. Um, my email is Erica at the roofing revolution.com E R I K A. And my mobile phone number is 720-427-9555. And I text all day, every day. Perfect. So if you well, want a personalized you. response, you know who yeah. to hit up. It's Erica. <laughs> I know. That's bold. That's bold right there. I like it. Thank you for sharing your story with us and spending um, a bit of your morning. We know you are buried right now, so we really appreciate it. Anytime. It's so good to see you two performing so well and happy to be on this podcast. Oh, thanks, also, Erica. We can't wait to have you back. Thanks, Erica. All right. Take care. That was today's trade secret. Thanks for listening. Did you find this helpful? We're just getting started. Subscribe and don't miss our next reveal. Until next time.